Where is he? I love this game when I play the uh, Mark French game, Tech Tags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers, Rollo Insurance Studio. You're not in Texas, right, Mark? Are you allowed to tell me where you're at? What's up? <laughs> We're off location, Nuno. All right. Uh, no, man, I'm in uh, I'm in Colorado with some friends this weekend, so uh, got out of town uh, about a day ago. So uh, figured I'd take the call from here, but definitely wanted to connect since we uh, we missed each other last week. Well, I appreciate you, sir, and, and sorry to interrupt your good times, but I know you love talking Aggie basketball. Uh, Mark French with us here on the Brian Foley Law Hotline. So I guess we start off with, you know, I know we like to do these Elite Eight checkpoints, but... Do we move it back to Sweet 16 checkpoints? Do we move it to NCAA tournament checkpoints? Where are we with this team, Mark? Yeah, I, I do think this is still a, a, a tournament team, right, Nuno? Um, I do think that we probably need to alter the Elite Eight enthusiasm just a smidge, and I apologize for leading that charge. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, I think uh, the Sweet 16 isn't off the table. I think it would it would maybe surprise me. Um, a little bit, um, especially without, you know, uh, Marble and Coleman and, um, you know, it just, it hasn't come together like we necessarily thought. And so, um, I do think there's enough talent and there's enough guard play to, you know, a, a round of 32 or sweet 16s on the table. But I mean, you got to fix this thing, you know, pretty quick. And, uh, that win at Arkansas certainly would have, would have felt matters. So fix this thing. I don't know what the fix I mean, I, I have some ideas, Mark, but I don't know what to fix because you're not yeah. going to win a lot of games when you miss all those shots, and they consistently miss a lot of shots. So unless you find a way to get easier buckets, and, let, and let's be real honest, maybe this could be our next point. Wade Taylor has to be such a miraculous player at the end of games for them to even be back yeah. for a chance to win that like that is not as sustainable. So... What do you? How can they fix their issues? And I believe that they will. I just don't know the where unless they start shooting well again. Yeah, no, totally. I think you know if I think what Buzz and them are going to do is they'll point to the free throw game, right? I think uh, my stats aren't loading this morning, but I kind of have some of it from memory. I mean, I know we missed at least five down the last eight minutes, uh, eight minutes of the second half. There was five we missed. Um, and it's guys like Boots missing too. And I know he he came back and hit the one and, and you know, sent it over time, all that jazz. But um, you're looking at, you know, just free points that were given up. And Buzz, will, that'll drive Buzz crazy. Cause, um, but I think they'll start with things like that. And, you know, the pointless turnovers and, and all that when really, you know, as a fan, what we want to see is, all right, is there going to be some tweak to the offense besides Wade high pick and roll? Are there going to be – and really what we're talking about there, it's not a, a, a wholesale overchange to everything. It's, it's, you know, where are the wrinkles? You know, how, how are we developing Jace Carter to become a – you know, how are we getting him in rhythm shot so that he can become instead of a six, seven, eight, nine point a game guy to, a, to be a 12, 13, 14-point-a-game guy? You know, it's, it's – you know, how are we getting Henry duck in post-up so that he doesn't have to just do all of his work on the offensive glass? Um you know, it's things like that. I think it's these wrinkles that, you know, I thought would have frankly been, you know, a little more, bit more uh, deeper into the bag at this point of the season. Um, but I also think it's important not to panic. And, you know, college basketball is a completely different game than college football or NBA or um, uh, it, it's such a it's, it's its own uh, insulated sport almost where what you do at the end of the season matters way more than. Um, that's what everybody remembers. And so they got to get to a point where they get on a hot streak and, 
they get some sort of what Buzz would call a crescendo and and get into the SEC tournament and, and they need to go win a game in the NCAA tournament this year. It's it's year five and Buzz is um, he's more incapable of that. Um, so that's where I'm at. Mark, uh, I have empathy for Buzz for a couple reasons. Here is that like you, you have an inconsistent lineup, right? Not only from production, but like guys are in and out. But uh, excuse me, Boots misses some time. He comes back. He finds his rhythm, but doesn't really. Henry's out. You know, like people have been in and out, and it's been kind of this this roller coaster of you're not really sure who's going to be able to play for you. And then when they do come back, what kind of shape are they in, and how long does it take them to get back? I know that's life in the SEC, but at least from that perspective, it's hard to get consistency when you have some of your main guys out. You have no idea. It's like it's it's so much different. Again, I, so many of my A and M friends are like just college. They're huge college football fans, and they don't understand college basketball. And it's you know you're talking about. You really have when it comes down to it, you have eight or nine guys that play at Nuno, and so when you're talking about three or four of those being flexed out, we forget Solo. Who I mean, Solo missed four. What was it? Three, four, five games. Um, he was the most impactful person on the floor in the Kentucky win last Saturday. And so here's what I would caution: if I had to just summarize it all, and I understand everybody's frustration, you don't hit the panic button. Let's let the the full team, complement of team, play together. Minus Marble, so he's kind of off the table in my mind. But the last time that the whole team played, we beat number six Kentucky, right? who a lot of people are picking to be in the final four because of their guard play. So, um, and our guards outplayed them. So, and that's what wins games at the end of the year. And, and I think, um, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button. I do think uh, there needs to be some internal, you know, like what happened on the last play. Like uh, if you're going to, you know, let the best player catch the ball, why call a timeout and let them kind of draw something up? You know, are we not, are we not going to be in a one, two, two press? These are the kind of things that the staff will evaluate. And in the moment, it's, it, it's, so, it's so easy to be, you know, Monday morning quarterback here and, and uh, critique it. Uh, it happens so fast. Um, but I, I really do believe in the staff. And, um, you know, that last play, it really bugged me because those guys deserve to win, particularly Wade Taylor. Um, you're talking anytime you go get over 30 in a college game, you're cooking. You get over 40. I mean, you're – the kids should be on the top 10, top five of the wooden watch list. And um, I think that's something you'll you'll start to see trickle out more. Talking to Mark French here on the Brian Foley Law Hotline. I'm glad you brought that up because I felt like I was like by myself. I didn't love the timeout. In fact, I didn't like it at all. I would have rather, and I, and I talked to coach Tom Schubert here on the studio and he, he explained to me the way coaches look at it. You know, it'd be better to have our defense set up. But to your point, the guy who had been beating you all game long, took the game-winning shot, and was able to move freely. So, like, I would much rather have that offense kind of scramble and think that against the clock as opposed to come up with a play unless you have the perfect defense drawn up. You have a couple options. And, I'd look, I'd, I'd tell this. Buzz and I would talk through this together, right? Like, he would, he would he's open to all this stuff, you know, and it, he wants to win more than anyone. So, like, you have a couple options, right? So, one would be to face guard the guy, uh, I forget his name, who had 35 points or whatever. Um, in the game winner, you face guard him there because he's been cooking the whole second half, especially the last eight minutes, the um, last two four-minute segments. So you either face guard or you send a trap right around midcourt. So he has to get off of it. They only have, I think, 7.6 seconds. So you're, you're, you know, you're, you're getting him off the ball. You're making someone else beat you, um, and then you just kind of pray. But I, it was, it was such a. Um, they were out of timeouts. 
Um, it was such a quirky game and the momentum, it felt like Wade killed them. Like that felt like the dagger, did it not? And I think each game is different and it's a feel thing. And this is what, you know, it's so hard to, to judge from our couches, but you can kind of feel it. If you know, basketball, that was a dagger and Wade, it, he, he nailed it. That was a, it should have been an M one to be, to be quite honest. Um, and that was a situation where you almost want to just rush everyone back. Um, and then kind of let it be, you know, hubble jubble. Um, so those are a couple options you had, and I think they'll learn from it. Um, they're going to be in a lot of close games down the down the stretch, and how they perform in those will will determine how the you know how we grade the season on the on the back end. Well, let's get back to Solo for a minute because God, he makes such a difference, doesn't he? Like, I just everything he brings, his energy, and look, the way we talk about him is very similar to the way we talk about Anderson Garcia. This team is full of like these role player types, and I don't think that's a problem at all. You got, but but sometimes. You got to get some guys that are also scoring dogs beyond Wade Taylor. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, there is a charisma. There is a um, hypo, uh, allergetic um, enthusiasm that Solo brings. It just rubs off. It exudes. You can't quantify it. All the good stuff, right? Um, but you can quantify it because a lot of times it shows up in the final box score. When Solo plays well, the Ags win. And so... Um, I'll read y'all a text I sent to uh, uh, also a friend of y'all's program. I'll keep anonymous, but I said, Buzz found his rotation. Wade, Boot, Solo, Andy, Coleman. I said, uber athletic and aggressive. On paper, it looks like less shooting, but we suck at that anyway, so we might as well hit the board. Jace Carter, Levesque, Manny, when he's on. Hefner against teams without the hyper athletes can play the supportive minute. And so you could you could interchange that, but I think those five, right, Nuno, your Wade, Boots, get your scoring punch. Solo crashes the glass, and he's a scoring punch in that he's going to make these weird plays that lead to buckets. You know, like Kentucky, there was three or four of them, particularly the block, and then the, it turned around and got us a bucket. Uh, Andy um, is becoming more of a reliable scorer with his touch game around the rim, and then obviously Coleman's just kind of a bellwether, and we don't have another big. Although Levesque did play play well against against Kentucky, I got to give the kid credit. Um, but if you're looking down the stretch at a five that Buzz could come to trust, he may just say, "Let's just if you know if we're already kind of leaning this one way, let's go all in." You know, because if if Jace and um, you know we got Manny shooting air balls, I hate, I love the kid, but it just can't happen on national television. And then Hefner hasn't been who he was to end last year, and so at some point we have so much evidence that we have to look at the hard data and look ourselves in the mirror and say, these are the guys that are going to play. And it doesn't mean I love, you know, you don't love those other kids less, but this is a business and this is year five and we got to go win some NCAA tournament games. So I think that'll be Buzz's rotation. If I had to guess, um, I could be completely wrong, but it looked really good against Kentucky. Mark, let's kind of look at this upcoming schedule. I I don't want to call it an opportunity (laughs) because we don't know what team is going to show up, but, there is an opportunity here to get somewhat right, right? So let's let's kind of go through this if, if Nick can p- pull up the schedule for us because you got LSU and LSU is playing really good basketball. Like the, they're they're playing at a very high level. Missouri, yeah, another winnable game. Let's kind of just talk it out because there's an opportunity here. Yeah, totally. And if y'all get it on the screen, my Wi-Fi is down. So LSU, here's the deal: is uh, coach comes over from Murray State two years ago, right? And they came in and yeah, there it is. They 
kicked our tail at home and there is no excuse for that. Um, but you got to go, you got to go trade with them there. You got to go to Baton Rouge and get that win. Right. Especially coming off the Arkansas loss, which was why that, that one play had so much significance for the season. Cause then you're at two and two in sec play. And then you can kind of, you maneuver, right? Now you're playing from behind exactly what we said we didn't want to do two weeks ago. Um, LSU, they have a guard who uh, recently has been named eligible. Um, it was a, kind of a weird situation with the NCAA. He's an older guy. Um, he's really good. He, I think Cook is his name. I could be wrong, uh, but really good player. Um, kind of a, a straw that stirs the drink type guy for them. And uh, the dominoes have kind of fallen in place. And um, Missouri, again, preseason, they were rated highly. They've kind of struggled out of the gate. Um so, like, I mean, maybe you're, you're talking about splitting those, maybe. Um, Ole Miss will be – they're overrated. Um, Chris Beard purposely scheduled a, um, an easy um, non-conference as to generate fan support. It was a smart move on his part, not knocking it. That's exactly what happened. Go If you want, go look at their schedule. If you're wondering why Ole Miss is ranked number 22nd in the country, go look at their non-conference schedule and get back to me. Um, and then Florida would be kind of the last game of that four game stretch. Um, and I think that's how we should chunk it up. Uh, that's a home game. Uh, Florida's not what they used to be. Um, uh, plenty capable coach came over from San Francisco, I believe two years ago. Um, and, uh, again, there's no easy games in the SEC, but if you were to look at it and, you know, if you take these next four, we're one and three right now, you know, could we go two and two? Yes. Uh, could we go three and one? Maybe. Um, but if you're talking about, you know, wanting to be in that upper quarter of the SEC or upper half, even at this point, um, of the, of the conference things, you know, you probably need to go three and one. Um, so, uh, I still think this NCAA tournament team, but I mean, by golly, that Arkansas game is just going to haunt me for the next month. Um, cause that would have been probably a quad one road win by the end of the year. Um, so Plus, it'd been nice to stick it to muscle, muscleman, huh? Mark, I, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer here. I'm going to kind of sound like a Debbie Downer <laughs> here. But, like, the Arkansas game, like, again, they consistently find themselves in these huge holes. And to me, that is the story, right? Like, you fall behind Iowa State and you come back. Like, you fall behind against U of H and you come back and you don't win. You fall behind big against Arkansas and you come back and you take the lead with seven seconds. Like, to me... You can't fall behind in these 20-point holes consistently and expect to be an Elite Eight, Sweet 16, NCAA tournament team, right? This is a, So this is the conversation. Me and my, my roommate, Connor Schwartz, he actually he's from College Station, works in commercial real estate in Dallas now, and uh, he's a bigger Aggie fan than I could ever be. Kid just breathes it, lives it. Uh, but he was like, how is this any different than Aggie football this year? I was like, all right, calm down, first of all. <laughs> But second of all, I was like, well, you know, and so uh, one thing we, we came to and uh, uh, I decided on as my fandom, uh, especially after a Cowboys loss on Sunday, I was just taking it to the chin. Um, but I said, I don't I don't when it comes to my college team, I don't want to be blue collar anymore. Like blue collar just means you're not good enough to be white collar. And I said, at, at some point, the, this basketball program needs to take the jump to where we're white collar. And there's no reason for Houston, 90 miles down the road, to be in the top. You know, I know they've lost a couple games, whatever. A top 10 program right now, right? And um, all these programs around the region have made these deep runs. And there's we have literally everything. 
coaches, players, uh, facilities, um, everything. And it's just the ingredients haven't all come together since BK left. And I think they're really close, man. I think some of us, the rosters deteriorated from what they thought it would be. Um, but, uh, from just a general 30,000 foot philosophy point, Nuno, that's where I'm at with it. I'm tired of, I'm tired of the, the blue collar. Let's outwork them. We're going to come from behind and be the underdog. Like, no, I want to be the alpha male in every situation, you know, whether that's, that's, that's work, life, business, whatever. Like you walk into, you're walking into something like we're better than you. We're going to take this from you and we're going to go recruit better players. Our staff's going to be better. Our scheme is going to be better. Our end of game situations are going to be better. And I, you know, I, I think Buzz has a lot of that in him, but I think one thing that we're missing is these hot starts to the game and uh, where you go and just put a team away and you bury them. And uh, I, uh, I've talked a lot about, and I know we're running short on time a little bit here, but uh, I've talked a lot about like, I didn't grow up an A&M fan. I grew up deep in the heart of SEC country in Memphis. And one of the things since I've come into this family, it's been amazing, uh, but we're too nice. <laughs> and uh, there's a little bit of me. Uh, look, I didn't get to where I was in, in college basketball, being a 5'8", 5'9", white kid by not having a little something in my neck, right? But, like, I want the whole fan base to develop a little bit of, more of a killer instinct. And we need to demand more. And that's across all sports. Um, and with Bjork leaving, we have a little bit of a, a level set here. Uh, huge fan of the new president. But it starts with guys like me and you, and it starts on shows like this. But we need to develop a swagger around what we do and what we expect, and not just because of how much money we have, but because of on-field and on-court performance. And so when it comes to the basketball team, it's like, hey, man, let's, instead of out-toughing them, how about let's just come out and execute and put them away in the first half. And so I couldn't be more on board with you and sorry for the soliloquy, but I was really fired up on Tuesday night. Cause I, I understood the magnitude at the end of the season that Tuesday night is going to play. Mark, I'm going to follow up your thoughts with my perspective of that. What you just said, I want to be the blue collar team that evolves into the white collar team. Right? So yeah. I like having that DNA. Sure. I like having to earn it and like go after it. But when you are at this point 100%. of this group with this nucleus playing together, Wade and Boots and Henry for the third year, now we're the big dogs who have proven it. Now let's freaking go. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So, like, we were the blue-collar team 24 months ago with this core group. And 12 months ago, maybe. Yeah, I think we still had some of that. But you're coming into the year with the SEC preseason player of the year. You're coming in with the number 16-ranked team in the country. And this is where I would almost say, like, act like it. Show me. Prove it, you know? And so it's not that I'm against the blue-collar traits. I'm just saying that this team has enough. They've been to two straight SEC tournament finals, right? They've been in the NCAA tournament. And at some point, you got to take the leap to say, you know what? That's not even enough for us. We expect more. Therefore, we understand that mature teams bury bad teams or mediocre teams early or struggling teams like Arkansas – and that's really what I was saying. I'm all for the blue. Believe me, I'm blue collar as it gets. But when it comes to this team in particular, there's a, a standard that I wish they would hold themselves and play up to a little bit higher. Mark, I appreciate you, sir. Thanks so much. All right. All right, guys. Talk soon. Bye -bye. Enjoy your trip, buddy. Take care. Mark French there on the Brian Foley Law Hot Live. We'll hit a break. We'll come back with around the SEC and some thoughts on what Mark had to say there. Uh, right now, Millican Reserve time, a farm-to-table community in College Station. They got homes, they got trails, they got a wide-open space out there, and their mission is to build a healthy community 
around nature. And they've done that by uh, creating the sanctuary for family, for nature, and for each other, dedicated to the conservation of a healthy community, respect for that native landscape and wildlife, 2,600 acres of open space, farms and trails and homes. Millican Reserves, Millican Reserve, excuse me, connects families to nature and to each other. They have an extensive network of trails throughout a wooded landscape that includes walking and equestrian paths, creeks and ponds and gathering areas, and they're committed to maintaining and restoring that natural habitat. Millican Reserve provides a natural setting for people to connect to each other, and you can do that by hiking, by biking, by canoeing, kayaking, equestrian trails that are out there, evening yoga, the summer camps, you name it, they have it all. At Millican Reserve, and you can find them online at millicanreserve.com. Again, that website, millicanreserve.com. Go check it out. Hey, David, can you replicate uh, those moves you're just doing back here, please? Thank you. Which one? The just the the moves. You're, there you go. Yeah. Is that the Cobra Strike? It's kind of like the Cobra Strike, but it's like taking you to the ground, and then I don't know. Oh, of course. Pressure it's, to your throat. It's fighting. It's yeah. Got it. Here's the truth. Shout out to Brazos Valley MMA, my friends there. Here's the truth. I think I'd do pretty well in an MMA tournament against untrained human beings at my size or smaller. That's what I think. If you've been trained at all, you'll kick my butt. That's, that's the reality, except anybody in this office. I mean, you basically just said I can take on like a group of 12-year-olds. You could beat them in a fight. I'm 47, Nick. Yeah. People younger than me, that's the entire city. I feel like a grandpa in College Station. I know there's older people than me, but I like... Everywhere I'm at, I feel like I'm the oldest guy in here. In Houston, I never felt that way. Here, like, oh, who's, who's the narc? That's what it feels like. Narc? Nah. Hey, what's the name of the show? Texags Radio. We are presented by who? David Gardner Jewelers. You're inside the Rollo Insurance Studio. I'm not. Well, technically, aren't we all? When we're in College Station, this is Rollo country, baby. That, well, yeah, very true. Uh, I want to do around the SEC here in a second, and then we're going to have, uh, I'm really looking forward to Ryan McGee here on the program uh, after that. But that interview or that conversation with Mark French got me pumped up because I think he's exactly right. I like being the blue-collar team. Like, I love that. But I want to be the blue-collar team that is like, that we, we evolve from that with those same principles, but we dominate our opponent, right? Not our blue-collar team that, Hey, they, they fight every fight, every game. They're in it because they fight hard. I don't care. Like, I care. I care. But I want more for this particular group. I understand that there's a cycle, as I break the microphone, of, you know, like a young team, then you kind of grow into the next level. And, oh, hey, you, you knock it on the door of the tournament. You're in the tournament. Like, I want the next level. I don't want to keep reaching the same level or a little bit below. There's a lot of time left in this season. And... Hopefully, consistency in the lineup will help out Wade Taylor and will help out production. But until then, you know, we're now at this point like, is it going to be good enough? Because now LSU is not a guaranteed win. None of these games are guaranteed wins anymore. When I used to look at that schedule, like, look at all these games that A&M should get. All right, let's, uh, let's go back to the Angry Elephant News and Social Center. Jackson Moss has got uh, around the SEC for us. Yeah, so we, uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier in the show, but uh, 25 Alabama players have entered the transfer portal since Nick Saban retired. Uh, I know Olin was talking about Caleb Downs a little bit earlier. He's the number one player in the transfer portal now. He actually had 107 tackles, which is the first freshman to lead Alabama in tackles since 1970. And then uh, also Washington quarterback Austin Mack plans to follow Kalen DeBoer to Alabama. Uh, with them having problems with depth, this is going to be huge for them. And uh, then I had a quick question for you, David. And I got a, a long answer for you. 
What is your quick fix to the crazy world of NIL and Transfer Portal uh, now? What, if you could change things, like if you had to change three things by tomorrow, what would you do? First thing I would change, and I know it looks like um, the government's not going to help me out on this one since um, you know they're going to sue the NCAA for this transfer portal, but I would not allow immediate transfers. I definitely wouldn't allow unlimited transfers, but I would not allow immediate transfers in, in college football. I'd go back to the way it used to be because what I think it does is it entices people who are happy at their program to go search for money every year. And, and I understand that that's the kind of, you know, that's democracy, right? But I think there needs to be a little bit more guardrails there. There needs to be some kind of contract. Uh, you know, there was a former Aggie player who was talking about his NIL deal here. Like, look, the, there should be a little bit. We all know that NIL is not supposed to be involved in the recruitment of a player, but it is. So let's just be honest about it and, and set some contracts and set some stipulations that you have to be at a program for a minimum of a couple years or you can't transfer after your freshman until after your sophomore year. Some some kind of rule. Right. Uh, so I, that's that's the first thing I would do. I think I would. The easiest fix is for football to break away and create a super league. And it doesn't have to be only 30 some teams. It can be a bigger super league that where the um, lower revenue sports are kind of in a different world. We go back to regional conferences, right? That they don't have to follow the football, you know, s structure. I would do that. So I would, I would allow for less transfers, some kind of contracts, and I would have football break away into its own entity to where you can have contracts, right? Not that you can be traded and, and to that expect, but college football, to me, one of the beauties of it is being able to see a guy grow freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, to senior year, right? And, and sure, you should be able to transfer if it's not a good fit after a while, but all that development for some of the smaller schools to just lose it, I've said this many times. I love it when it helps A&M, but if we're talking about the greater good of college football, that's kind of how I would handle it. All right, let's hit a break here. We'll come back. We're going to talk to Ryan McGee. Marty and McGee, you know that show. That guy's awesome. Uh, he was just uh, recently at a NASCAR event, um, reporting out of there. He wrote a great article about Nick Saban. So we'll talk about all that stuff and, and the stuff going on here at Texas A&M. Right now, though, don't replace it. Lift it. If you've got you know concrete situations that you are thinking about replacing your driveway or maybe your patio or parts of your business, you don't have to replace it. That is super expensive. Replacing your driveway can be ten to fifteen thousand dollars. You can do it for a fraction of that cost by just lifting it. That's what Ascend Lift uh, does out there. Ascend Concrete Lifting and Support. Brian Dickerson is an Aggie. He owns and operates it all, and he's he and his business have been doing it for a long, long time. They have done professional construction work for over 60 plus years there, and they're going to educate you on the lifting process. That number is 979-933-8527. They will provide an honest opinion of whatever situation you have, residential, commercial, industrial. We're talking bridges and curbs and roads and streets and highways. We're talking factory floors, apartment complexes. We're talking about your own house out there. Again, that number, 979-933-8527, or you can follow them on Facebook or Instagram, 979-933-8527. Don't replace it. Lift it with Ascend Concrete Lifting and Support. Not often when you meet somebody, they live up to their reputation in real life, right? Uh, there's certain guys that in the media, I'll just use as an example, they're really nice, and then you meet them, they're not as nice, not our next guest. In fact, 
Uh, our next guest and his his uh, television partner are some of the nicest human beings in the world. Let's go to the Brian Foley Law Hotline. We're joined by Ryan McGee here on uh, TechSags Radio. Ryan, what's up, man? How you been? I'm good. I, I appreciate you saying that about me, but I'm not going to tell Marty you said he was really nice. I'm just going to keep that to myself. <laughs> You guys are great, man, and uh, we share in a love of uh, – you're bigger. I'm, I'm into superheroes and Star Wars. I know you're big into Star Wars. So at some point, we're going to have to talk about – I have not watched Ahsoka yet, but I, I, I am all in on Mando. It's so good. Ahsoka's so good, and it, it's worth watching. I mean, I believe it's episode four. It's worth watching just for the middle episode because it's uh, it was uh, it's something else. And, and I just finished uh, Echo, the new Marvel uh, show on Disney+, Plus, and it's good. It's Echo, uh, you don't don't watch that with your kids. That one gets a little rough, but it's uh, but it's good. So yeah, no, it's it's funny. My daughter's nineteen, and uh, she's a freshman at another SEC school. And uh, but she and I talk all the time. I tell her all the time. I hope you appreciate the fact that I always loved Star Wars and I always loved Marvel. But you know, we had no Marvel movies, and we had one Star Wars movie every three years, maybe. And now it's just constant content. So good for her. Good for her generation. Because uh, and good for me too. And you. That's right, man. I don't care. I'm 47 years old. And I'm still all in. I don't care. No, I literally. I'm sitting in my office in Charlotte, and there are four lightsabers hanging on the wall. Like, like I'm I'm the easiest like Christmas present of all time. I got like a Darth Vader Pez dispenser for Christmas, and a Darth Vader coffee maker. So yeah, I'm I'm the easiest Father's Day slash birthday slash Christmas present ever because I'm basically 12. Hey, one last entertainment thing before we get to football. Uh, Nate Bargazzi, I saw you went to the, the concert. How was it? Because I love that dude. It was amazing. You know what's crazy is, so and, and so I saw I saw Tom Papa uh, on Friday night with my wife, and then I saw Nate Bargazzi on Sunday, and I saw Tom Papa in like this cozy theater with about a 1,000 people. Bargazzi sold out the Spectrum Center in Charlotte two shows. 22,000 people for a comedy show. So I, that was the first for me. He's so good, man. He, yeah, and you talk about meeting guys that you hope they are as nice as you think they're going to be. You know, Nate was knocking around uh, SEC Media Days in Nashville last summer, and I was kind of starstruck. And he's exactly who you think he's going to be. Like, he's just, he's, just a, he's just a dude. And when he's up there talking about, you know, not knowing how to pay property taxes and uh, being addicted to using Afrin. I'm like, I'm 50 years old, dude. I feel all that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Hey, uh, you know, when we texted, one of the things I appreciated was you started your sentence with yo, because I love to start off things with yo. Uh, and then you continue to talk about, there's not a lot to talk about it at A&M, but actually there is. Yeah. Bjork heading to Ohio State and Coach Elko. So just, uh, I'll let you start from there. Just what do you think about the job Coach Elko has done so far? Well, I mean, listen, the, the challenge of the job is the fact that the job never ends. I mean, it's, I, I think it's why Nick Saban just retired. I, I think it's why we're not going to see guys coaching into their late 60s and 70s once Mac Brown retires. I think that's done. Like, I, I just think the, the job is too hard. And it's not too hard for Mike Elko. Um, you know, he's such a detailed guy. Uh, clearly, he understands the transfer portal. Um, you know, I mean, even in a place like Duke, he was able to bring guys in with ridiculous academic restrictions, um, and was able to keep guys from leaving. And so, and, and clearly he's done a great job with that so far. So he's a detail oriented guy. Um, but, but, but also just a good guy. I mean, you know, I live here in North Carolina and I actually grew up, uh, on tobacco road up in Raleigh. And there's a lot of really sad people 
uh, in the state where I'm standing right now because Mike Elko is no longer up the road. But but he's he just gets it, you know. I I, and I think that that um the most curious part of of the of the Jimbo Fisher experience was that that Jimbo seemed to be all in on being a Texan, but not necessarily all in on like doing the things you have to do to be a, a college football coach in the state of Texas. And I'm and you know what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about you know. Talking to the high school guys. That's it. I mean, it's such a huge part of the job, and Mike Elko is a master at that. So, I think the potential is through the roof. And and, um, and then to get into the other part of it, I think that uh, you know I I like Ross. Um, you know, obviously I, I've dealt with Ross at Ole Miss, and he dealt with some really difficult situations. Um, the last time I saw him was on the campus at A and M when we were uh, in town doing Marty McGee and sweating through my suit. Uh, back I think it was like week three. And, um, and, but, but it's, but it also felt like this was probably a good move for everyone at this point. And so, uh, yeah, a few headlines coming out of college station. Yeah, no doubt about that. In the last segment, uh, one of our associates here asked me what I, how I would fix this whole NIL world. And the, the thing that I said was I wanted to see college football break free and, and still limit the transfers, even though that looks like that's not going to happen. Somebody responded that would kill the other sports. So I mean, do you have an idea that you think could potentially work? Because nothing's working, but it's working. No, and the, and the problem is, there's just there's no. Yeah, I, I say this all the time. I always quote Jason Priestley from Tombstone. You know, there's got to be some sort of law, right? And there's no rules. And so now we're going to. I had a preacher back in North Carolina when I was growing up that used to always say, "You can't unscramble that egg, and you can't put the water back in the faucet." And and it's kind of where we are with an IL. So you can't reel it all back in. Everybody needs to give up on that. But you have to figure out a way to kind of put bumpers on it. And, you know, what what's going to happen is, is that when the Nick Sabans of the world are retiring or when coaches start leaving college football to go coach in the NFL because it's easier, which I know words I never thought I would say, but that's going to start happening soon, um, like very soon. Um, you know, that that's when – you realize you got to fix something. And I'm, I'm not sure what the plan was here. And, and Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, is on this, I call it the future of, of sports committee, is this kind of master NCAA committee they put together a couple years ago to help navigate these things. And they just kind of threw their hands up on NIL and on transfer, like, all right, you know, whatever, y'all just do what you want to do. Because, you know, everybody was fighting over it, and there wasn't a plan. And now we're waiting on government like local and federal governments to figure this out, it's never going to happen. So they need to reel it in now because I just worry about burnout. And I worry about, you know, I'm telling you right now, the reason Nick Saban retired is because he don't want to deal with this stuff. And and he did and did it very well. But but you can't keep that up. You can't sustain that over an extended period of time. And so when we start running the biggest name coaches out of the sport, whether they retire or whether they go to the NFL, um, you know, now you got a real problem. How much grace do you think Alabama fans are going to give Kalen DeBoer this first year, considering all the people leaving? And he'll get his, he'll get some guys back, no doubt about it. But what kind of grace following Nick Saban will he get? None. The fan base is going to cut him zero slack, zero slack. And I and I know this because. You know, I understand we're, it's a different time and it's a different era and all those things, but all I know is that Bill Curry, uh, one of my favorite people I ever worked with at ESPN, Bill Curry, 
won the SEC, went to the Sugar Bowl, beat Auburn and Tennessee, and got a brick thrown through his window and got fired. So it's just it is what it is. And, and you know, and, and when I would talk to other coaches about taking this job, and if Alabama calls, you take the job. As simple as that. You know, you just do it. But but the, the what a lot of coaches said to me, multiple coaches said to me, was you never want to be the guy that follows the guy. And then another guy said to me, but it's okay to be the guy who follows the guy who follows the guy. So I, I like Kalen DeBoer a lot. I don't know him that well. Um, I purposely, um, at the national championship game, spent time kind of hanging out by his booth at media day because I wanted to – um, I wanted to get a feel for him. I'm crazy about him. I grew up on small college campuses, and the fact that this guy was coaching the NAIA 14 years ago, and his defense, defense coordinator was the head coach at Montana Tech five years ago, and now these guys are in, in Tuscaloosa. Um, I'm rooting for him. I hope that it works because I think it would be great just for small college coaches uh, to be able to look at those guys and go, all right, you know, I can do this if I want, but they're not going to cut him in slack. I mean, no different than I – I mean, you tell me, I don't believe – I was reading some stuff uh, earlier this week about A&M, and everybody's like, well, you know, the heat's not on him like it was on Jimbo because of the expectation level. I don't – I've been to College Station. I'm pretty sure that their expectation level is still pretty high. Uh, I don't think they're going to cut Mike Elko slack if suddenly he has a bad transitional year. Um, he's going to get fired if he has a bad year, but I think that um, uh, somebody's going to get the kerosene out and pour it on his feet. Yeah, no, I think the patience depends on like how many wins, right? Like I think right. you just better be better than eight and four, right? And 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 that's right. to open the door, and then from that point, you got to be a double digit win team pretty much every year. Yeah, and then there's the danger if you if you have too much success too early. It's funny because I'm, I'm you know this I'm a Tennessee alum, and I kind of went through this with my Tennessee people, which was you know the good news is is that uh, you know. The coaching staff was ahead of schedule a year ago when they beat Alabama and you know and had a Heisman Trophy candidate until he got hurt and and had a chance to make the playoff late in the season until they had that loss in South Carolina. Um, and the problem is everybody expect that again this year. But, but but anyone who really knows football knows there was a lot of construction work that was still to do. Brian Kelly's always told me about that about at at, Tech, at Notre Dame. You know he got Notre Dame in the BCS championship game what you know like year two or three. And and that team overachieved, and he knew it, and knew he still had work to do, and so the expectation level was to the roof. So yeah, if if the the college football tooth fairy uh, came tonight and told Texas A and M fans, here's nine wins and a New Year's Day bowl game, and maybe second place, third place in the division, if we still had division, then I think you would say thank you very much. I'll take that in 2024 and then uh, expect more in 2025. 100%. Hey, let me uh, close out with this. Tell us a little bit about Welcome to the uh, Circus of Baseball, the, the, the book you put together. Uh, well, I appreciate you mentioning it. Yeah, that book was a labor of love for me, um, and it's been so much fun in, in 2023 kind of putting it out there and promoting it. But I, I worked in minor league baseball for one summer. Um, I have been obsessed with minor league baseball my entire life. If you, if you watch Marty McGee on Saturday mornings and you know, I wear a different minor league baseball cap on the show and have for three years and haven't repeated one yet, much to my wife's chagrin, because they've taken over my house. But the uh, but I love it. I love minor league baseball so much. You know, again, growing up in North Carolina, it's kind of like Texas. There was a time when I was a kid, 
in the 80s, it felt like every town in North Carolina had a minor league baseball team. And so I spent the summer working for the Asheville Tourists, uh, McCormick Field. If you've seen Bull Durham, it's, it's the old ballpark where Crash Davis hits his last home run at the end of the game. And I did everything from wear the mascot uniform to I almost got killed trying to uh, fill the Dairy Queen machine, uh, the tarp. At one point, I flew 10 feet up in the air. Um, and, and I put all these stories into a book, and it's really just a love letter you know, to minor league baseball. And, um, and man, y'all got some great ballparks and teams around the state of Texas. I, I literally plan my travel, um, particularly in the summertime, around the minor league baseball schedule. And, and I collect minor league ballparks. And so um, hopefully uh, I've done right by the people who spent their entire life working for our entertainment at these ballparks uh, with Welcome to the Circus of Baseball. Ryan, man, I appreciate your time so much. Thank you very much, and let's do it again, all right? Hey, call me anytime. I appreciate it, man. Take care, buddy. Thanks. Ryan McGee there on the uh, Brian Foley Law Hotline. Love that conversation. We will talk Star Wars with him. Sorry, guys, for those of you who don't get it. We will talk Marvel. We will talk football. We will talk comedy. You name it. All right, a moment now for Caldwell Country Chevrolet. Highway 21 and Caldwell Online. CaldwellCountryChevrolet.com. they got great deals on their website. They're fantastic, right? When you need a vehicle, you go to their website, CaldwellCountryChevrolet.com, and you get a search for what they have, right? You, you see the pricing, the vehicles that they have, and uh, just uh, also just – you, you've heard me talk about the customer service experience when you go there. You're going to be blown away. You're going to get there, and you're going to be blown away of what they can do for you, right? The price that you're going to get on your trade-in, the price on the vehicle, and then the entire experience itself, even after you've bought that vehicle, you're going to love it because they took care of me. They've taken care of Billy. They've taken care of so many others here at TechSax. I'm telling you, you will love the experience. It's about a 15-minute drive. Brian Caldwell, short conversation away, but you'll see the difference when you step on the lot and do business with the good people there at Caldwell Country Chevrolet. Highway 21 in Caldwell, online, caldwellcountrychevrolet.com. All right, want to make sure everybody knows that uh, Holly there at Costa Vida, they're celebrating today their four-year anniversary, so they're having a ribbon cutting. They weren't able to do it in 2020 uh, because of obvious reasons. They couldn't have a large gatherings out there. But come su- support and celebrate. I know a bunch of the Texas staff will be there, um, so make sure you go there. And they're trying to focus on healthy eating out there. So today from 1130 to 12 o'clock, they'll have chips and queso and a lunch special to offer as well. The Texas community, a big part of what they do. Go say hi to Holly there in uh, South College Station at Costa Vida, 4501 Mills Park Circle in College Station, Aggie on and operated, the friendliest staff, the best people, the most fresh food out there. You want to go check it out. It is Costa Vida. Looking forward to uh, seeing all the great food and the, uh, the times that they have out there. Right now, it's time for Around Aggie Land, presented by Norman G. State Bank. Norman G. State Bank, rock solid banking. The website is normangstatebank.com. We've got Kay Nagley. You spewed through that, man. That was probably 500 words right there. That's what I tried to do, yo. <laughs> You're just, so you can do it. And See, I, uh, go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. No, I was just doing that to oh, do that. Okay, you're just doing that to get more words in. Is that what you would say? I, I always have to have the last word. Oh, true, very true. Let's, let's let's get right to it. I have a lot of words to speak today. Let's go. Uh, starting off, Mike Elko. Every week I come in here has a new guy just reeled in. This time it is cornerback Desmond Ricks, former Alabama cornerback. As I said, um, he has announced his plans to join A and M next season. He was once a five-star prospect, um, played in two games for the Tide, and arrives as a red-shirt freshman. So we'll have a lot of eligibility. That's good for Mike Elko and company as well. A pair of future Aggies will play in the Polynesian Bowl tonight on NFL Network at 8 p.m. Jordan Lockhart and Asendra Papa Afua will be playing. It's at 8 
8 p.m. Like I said, make sure to check that out if you want to see a couple couple guys or future guys in maroon and white. Uh, moving on to some men's basketball. Unfortunately, Wade Taylor had pretty much the game of Texas A&M. I mean, pretty much history. His 41 points were the most by an Aggie since an since. A&M joined the SEC, 41, but unfortunately, Arkansas did, despite A&M coming back, Arkansas did spoil the game uh, as A&M fell in the final literal second, uh, 78-77. They will play LSU, looking for a little revenge on the road. Women's basketball has a big one. Their biggest test yet, actually, is number one, South Carolina. Will come to town. Uh, That's going to be a big one. That's a 4 p.m. tip um, on Sunday on SEC network one of the best defenses in the country a&m top three yeah south carolina top three in offense it's gonna be i don't know i'm excited i, I will excited say this to get there the last time a&m took on a team with one of the top offenses in the country was mm-hmm. lsu didn't go mm-hmm. a&m's way yeah that was on the road yeah this is at home that's true you, you get reed rowdy it can be i'm a rowdy like seriously they are undefeated can, at home let's keep it, it going can change a, it can change a lot of the game um additionally this weekend we got going on track and field we'll return to action to host the ted nelson invitational arizona state clemson and houston and then we got some tennis as well but that's all for around Aguilar. okay thank you very much uh, appreciate you Kay. Of course. when we come back Nick Savage taking over the show. I've got to take care of some family stuff. Appreciate everybody. Uh, But Nick will take over the show. Billy Lucci will be here momentarily. That, your text messages, and all the analysis you can imagine, uh, it is Texas Radio. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.